God's Agenda. Reading from You Can Be Happy Now, Marilyn Carrad's book, page 132. This spirit of rebellion has always resided in the human heart. Christians, too, have rebelled against God's way of doing things. Although we realize that God is perfect, we question his actions when we consider them to be imperfect. How ridiculous, here we are, absolutely imperfect beings, yet feeling ourselves qualified to determine what a perfect God should do. For example, we probably don't understand the following. I choose to bless Jacob, but not Esau. And God said this before the children were even born, before they had done anything, either good or bad. This proves that God was doing what he decided from the beginning. It was not because of what the children did, but because of what God wanted to and chose Let's take a look at Romans 9, verse 12 to 15. We'll go ahead and read that. It says, Sarah, at this time next year, I will return, and you will already have a son. Don't forget what happened to the twin son of Isaac and Rebekah. Even before they were born or had done anything good or bad, the Lord told Rebekah that her older son will serve the younger one. The Lord said this is to show he makes his own choices, and it wasn't because of anything either of them had done. That's why the scripture says that the Lord liked Jacob more than Esau. Are we saying God is unfair? Certainly not. The Lord told Moses that he had pity and mercy on anyone he wanted to. Our creator has his agenda. Rebellion against his will is not very wise and is definitely not a way to receive his blessings. Throughout many of my earlier years, I excused my rebellious ways by blaming them on what I consider to be God's unfairness. But eventually I learned that he really does know what is best for each of us. Jesus said that he could do only what God told him to do. As a result, he had power over everything here on earth, people, sickness, weather, even death. To me, that says we should obey God whether or not we understand what he says or does. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we don't always feel like thanking him for things we don't understand, but when we do, our obedience to his word opens the way for God to greatly increase our happiness. The more we walk the path of obedience to God, the more peace he will give us in everything that happens to us. Amen. Our next letter is God's intimate attention. There are people who believe that God created the world, then left it to run on its own course. What a bleak and hopeless existence such people must endure. We know that God has revealed himself to people throughout history, but we must decide how intimately does he involve himself in our everyday lives. Does he occasionally control what happens to us? Frequently governs the events of our life, or is he involved as intimately as the battery that causes a rich watch to run. It's the slightest, most significant event, as well as the most important event of each day under his control. 
I believe the amount and quality of happiness we enjoy is determined by our view of the role God plays in our lives. Jesus said, He knows the number of hairs in your head. Luke 12, verse 7. We can trust in God only to the extent that we believe He is in control of the events that are important to us. If we believe that He is too busy doing other things, then we cast off, abandon. Most of us wouldn't feel very secure in that situation. 1 Peter 1a gives us the idea way to view our lives. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Although we don't see God with our eyes, our joy is based on our faith and what he is now doing. My conviction is that God is involved in everything. Nothing comes our way in life. What does not have his intimate attention? Nothing comes our way in life that does not have his intimate attention. Just as a battery-operated watch would stop without a working battery, everything in the universe is dependent upon the power of his word for its existence. God's involvement in everything that happens to us is at the very heart of our joy. When we doubt his active and intimate participation, our joy plummets. There are countless times every day when we must decide if God is involved in the events of our lives. If he or is he not involved in every detail of our circumstances. If he is involved, then we can fully believe and have confidence in Romans 8.28. We know all things work together for good to them that love God. We should pay special attention to the first two words, we know. Knowing something is true is considerably different than hoping something is true. If we know that God is involved in every event of our lives and causing them to work for our good, then we have every reason to rejoice in his perfect and loving care for us. If you have been existing in a bleak world where you think God is only partially involved, I urge you to enter into the world that Jesus came to introduce. Jesus believed that nothing could happen without God's permission. In fact, he was amazed that people had so little faith in God. Jesus urges us to live in confidence that his Father is watching over every detail of our lives. Any lack of joy at any time or in any situation can be remedied by returning to a faith that God is in control and that in him we live and move and are. Acts 17, 28, the Living Bible. In him we live and move and are. Amen. Amen and amen. What a story. Our next letter is a cheerful heart. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice today, this hour, right now. Rejoice in the Lord. But now may not be our favorite time to rejoice. We may feel like feeling sorry for ourselves or feeling angry or tired. Then why would God command us to rejoice always? 
Does he know things about us that we don't know about ourselves? Of course he does. He He's our creator. There is a quality in rejoicing that causes us to build a wall around us that protects us from many of Satan's attacks. Satan, the enemy of our happiness, delights in our negative emotions and uses them to infect our spirits. Rejoice motivates us to get our minds off our problems and off ourselves. Rejoicing convinces us that a cheerful heart is good medicine, Proverbs 17, 22. Rejoicing makes it possible for the Holy Spirit to defeat Satan's attack and to have greater influence over our spirits. This, in turn, causes our spirits to exercise increased control over our natural compl- complaining human nature. When we are upset, we think of an abundance of good reasons to dwell on unhappy thoughts. This, though, would be a little like someone cutting off his nose to spite his face. He would hurt only himself. In the same way, we hurt only ourselves when we allow Satan to oppress us with unhappiness. Is there a solution? Yes, yes, yes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yes, yes, yes. We have nothing to lose but everything to gain. God knows it is often difficult for us to rejoice in difficult circumstances. He promised us, though, to come to our assistance if we would just center our attention on him and his love for us rather than our problems. Amen and amen. Let us rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm asking you, rejoice always. Our next letter is called Giving Birth to Joy. Giving Birth to Joy. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews eight twelve King James Version. We humans seem incapable of forgiving and forgetting the transgressions of those who have harmed us. Our fallen nature seems to insist that we carry the memories of the offense with us. Our fallen nature seems to insist that we carry the memories of their offenses with us. And even if we can forgive, we find it almost impossible to forget. Our unhappy thoughts and resentments linger on until they weigh us down like heavy burdens. If only we could rid ourselves of our painful thoughts and forgive and forget like God does. If we have spent a lifetime clinging to memories and the ways in which people have wronged us, it can be very difficult for us to turn from those old ways. I know that myself from painful experience after clinging to distressing memories for many years. I thought it would be impossible to clear my mind of those unhappy thoughts. But then I learned about God's plan to free us from the pain of other people's attractions. And I came to understand that his solution works. Now, whenever I think of someone whom I felt had wronged me, I began to believe that God used that person to teach me what I needed to learn. And I prayed, God, please bless him. 
But even that prayer didn't work very well until I began to list some of the good things I wanted God to do for him. Then I thought of every more wonderful things that God could do for him. As I did, my painful thoughts began to leave. I was learning that God will cause other people's actions to increase my happiness, even if that had not been their intention. God was indeed blessing me. Let me read that last statement again. I was learning that God would cause other people's actions to increase my happiness. Even if that had not been their intention, God was indeed blessing me. God comforts us by assuring us that he forgives our sins. He also wants to free us from our painful memories. He is not imposing a burden on us when he commands us to forgive others because he knows that forgiving others will give birth to a new joy in us. Gradually, I came to understand why Jesus said, Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Implore God's blessings on those who hurt you. Luke 6.28, the Living Bible. If you have been struggling under the burden of painful memories, now is a wonderful time to believe that God will cause those memories to be turned into new joy. Amen and amen. Our next story is called Joy at the End. I heard that elderly folks sometimes experience some personality changes as they approach their time of death. They may become irritable or frightened and say things that are completely out of character for them. I have often prayed that God will prevent me from being a poor witness for him as I approach my own departure from this world. I confess, though, that I was so concerned about what the last word to come from my lips might be. That is until a very meaningful event happened some months ago. X-ray of my left shoulder revealed that bone spurs were tearing a tandem inside the shoulder. I entered the surgery center where the surgeon was to remove the spurs. Mary was with me in the room where I was being prepared for the operation. The anesthesiologist placed an IV in my arm and told me that I would feel only a slight sting. That was the last thing I heard or remember until after the surgery. Even so, I began to speak. Mary told me later that the anesthesiology looked at me as if surprised that I could still talk. Mary wrote down what I said. I know that God is going to use this for my good. I was quiet for a moment or two. Then I said, God and I have a covenant. He has promised to make everything work for my good. The doctor gave me another surprised look. After a few seconds, I said, My trust is in the Lord. By now, the doctor was quite surprised that I was still able to talk. That experience, I believe, was a gift from God. Through it... He was revealing the spirit of praise that has been growing in me. Now I am no longer anxious about what my feelings, attitudes, or words may be should my conscious mind no longer control my words. The spirit of praise is a gift that God wants every Christian to have. No matter how difficult our circumstances may be, 
A spirit of praise is able to control our natural reactions to them. God permits us to decide the kind of spirit that we want to rule in our hearts. If we allow anxiety or unhappiness to control our thoughts, we will react accordingly during times of crisis. But through Christ, joy can take root in our hearts and bear wonderful fruit when we need it the most. A fruit tree grows its fruit day by day, year by year. Its deep roots tap the water for the nourishment and strengthen it will need when strong winds blow. Deep-rooted joy causes seeds of praise to grow in our hearts to enable us to withstand the tempest of life. Begin to plant your seeds of joy now so that in time you can bask beneath your tree of joy. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming on today's reading. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Make he look unto you, give you his countenance on you, and smile on you. Amen. Embrace joy and laughter and praising him and thanking him. Amen. Easier done with music. Thank you. Expecting Good Things, page 139. The bottom could fall out at any time. The sky could fall. We could get ill. Our car could quit running. We could lose our job. Our finances could crash. Our children's lives could go badly. Our friends could turn against us. It's easy for us to live in a state of anxiety, always expecting bad things to happen. In Job, God explained the way things work here on earth. Job said, What I feared has come upon me. What I dread has happened to me, Job 3.25. There are an unlimited number of things that we can worry about. These anxieties can deprive us of the happiness God intended us to have. That is precisely why Satan is always trying to inject unpleasant thoughts into our minds. But God gives us the authority and ability to reject all such thoughts. We can choose instead to embrace whatever is true Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Philippians 4.8 When our minds are invaded by unpleasant thoughts, God wants us to think about something else. When we obey him, good things happen. It's easy for us to adopt the lifelong habit of wasting our time and energy on downcast thoughts. Once in place, these negative thoughts can eventually destroy our happiness. The wiles of Satan are so subtle that we may not perceive this process as it occurs. However, there is a solution. We can make deliberately choices to reject disagreeable thoughts and place them with those that are excellent or praiseworthy. Learning to think pure and noble thoughts does not come easily. It can be so much easier for us to heed Satan rather than God. But when we reject the devil and obey God, the rewards are unlimited. Our minds and spirits radiate a new, ever-abundant joy. If you have not turned your thoughts to the true, the noble, the pure, I urge you to do so now. 
Amen and amen in Jesus' name. Unable to sleep is our next story. We all endure sleepless nights that seem to last forever. We toss and turn and fret all night. When morning finally came, we dragged ourselves from bed, convinced that we would have a miserable day, and we did. For many years, I permitted myself to spend the following day fretting over my lack of sleep. Those thoughts were not happy, and my body responded by agreeing with my every negative thought. Those days dragged on and on. Then one day, the Holy Spirit interrupted my self-pity and asked me why I had slept so poorly the night before. I listed what I thought were the reasons. Then he asked me if I thought God had any part in my lack of sleep. My initial response was, Oh no, he wants us to rest well, so we will be healthy. That seemed reasonable to me, good response. But the Spirit pressed on with Scripture verses about all things working for my good. Why then couldn't God use my lack of sleep to do something good for me? Then the Holy Spirit began to inquire into why I had been doing while I couldn't sleep. What had I been doing since I'd been up already? Well, I thought I hadn't prayed for anyone because all I could think about was going back to sleep. And no, I hadn't spent that extra time praising the Lord because I was too tired to think about that. My answers, I know now, were based on a mistaken belief that sleeping well all night is good and interrupted sleep is bad. This mistaken belief cost me many years of needless unhappiness, years during which I accepted the spirit of tiredness and felt sorry for myself. But the Holy Spirit changed all that. Now I greet each day with joy and enthusiasm now I know that God wants to use my nights, whether results or not, for my good and his glory. Now the day following of restless nights takes on a new perspective to me. My thoughts become positive as I rejoice in God's wonderful goodness to me. And my body responds to what I believe. Sleep is not a critical as we grew up believing it to be. True, we enjoy its healing quality. But there are many things that God wants us to learn, some of which can best be learned while the world around us sleeps. It is during the stillness of the night that God seeks our attention and draws us into prayer and praise. The night before he was crucified, Jesus knew that his disciples would be faced with a difficult time. He knew that their bodies needed all the strength they could get from a good night's rest. But he also knew they needed spiritual strength far more. For soon he would be arrested. They would be tempted to deny that they had ever known him. For that reason, he awakened them twice and urged them to pray. Couldn't you even stay awake with me one hour? Matthew twenty-six forty-nine. Perhaps Christ is asking us the same question during times of sleeplessness. Let's not miss this call to prayer. Huh, how funny. It's one thirty in the morning. I couldn't sleep anymore. So I have it planned that I have hot tea, sleepy tea, and read this book.
I need to pray more. And that'll bore me. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, not boring. That would put me to sleep, I meant. Amen. I hope, I pray. A smile on the inside. Our next letter is a smile on the inside. A smile in our face is valuable. Not only does it help us, it also helps those who encounter us. Jesus affirmed this in Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you. Giving a smile to others then is a good way to increase our own joy. However, being told to smile when we hurt inside can cause us to be resentful. Most of us, after all, don't like to pretend to be what we are not. What then should we do? The Holy Spirit has the answer. God wants us to smile on the inside as well as the outside. Easier said than done, yes, but the Holy Spirit will help us if we call upon Him. Once I doubted that the Holy Spirit could change me, change my sometimes sour disposition, but I kept praying and seeking His guidance. Soon I began to experience small changes in my attitude. I wanted to smile and I felt resentful less often. There was a new spring in my step and people started saying, you seem to me much happier than before. Well, I was happier, smiling on the inside. My problems had not changed. I had. It can be difficult for us to understand what Jesus meant when he said, only believe. Those words can be a mystery to us. Our skeptical nature wants to believe in things only after we see them. But the Bible says, faith is being. Certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1 1. Children find it easy to believe in what they don't see. But we adults want proof. If we are going to have a smile on our hearts, we want something to smile about. That is why Jesus told us to have a childlike faith. A faith that believes in what is unseen. Our misunderstanding of what faith is can often cause us to stumble. Imagine a little child learning to walk. Since, as yet, he has learned only to crawl, learning to walk is a challenge to him. But eventually he must learn. Likewise, to become pleasing to God, we must learn to have faith. Like I said, to become pleasing to God, we must learn to have faith again, even if we have learned only to doubt our entire lives. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, John fourteen sixteen. The Greek word used for counselor is parakletos, also meaning helper. All of us need the counselor. Life is complicated with many painful trials to endure. We need help in order to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, Philippians 4.4. That's help for us in the asking through Christ Jesus. The more I learn to smile on the inside, the more my joy increases. The more I trust the Holy Spirit to help me, the more my faith increases. That is a faith and a joy I strongly urge you if you seek. A faith and joy based on the promises of Christ himself. 